After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Tuesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. I was made way back in 1842 By a humble man, a real God-fearing Jew Who did his work with honesty, with feeling and with pride He was known in Kiev as Yankele the scribe With loving care, his hands so sure and still He formed me with some parchment, ink and quill Each day he'd slowly add to me Just a few more lines With words to last until the end of time And on the day that I was finally complete The whole town came and filled the narrow street And they sang and danced and held me high And carried me away To the little wooden shoe where I was staying And as the rest I held me close against his chest He spoke out loud and clear to all the rest He said, no matter if you're very young Or even if you're old Live by the words you'll find inside the scroll astray and has slowly lost its way with the goal of virtue fading there's a steady light that has kept away the night with the brightness it's creating can we bring the Only Tyra yields the hope for mankind. Let the beauty of our sun find the good in everyone. 
we show the world a better tomorrow? Will our deeds illuminate? Break the clouds of certain fate? Spreading rays of hope with tire of sunshine. With sunshine. It was a difficult time for the Jews under the Roman rule. They forbade the Jews to learn the Torah. The decree was harsh and cruel. Rabbi Akiva was not afraid. He said, "Come, learn with me." The people gathered all around him to learn and forgot the terrible decree. Where he licks the honey off the letters of the Aleph Beis, and with tears they pray to heaven for their precious little gem. May the Torah always be this sweet, the Hadid No Hashem. The Harav No Hashem, make it sweet for us again. Like the honey that we tasted years before Because each word is ours to own Until we feel it in our bones And we want to keep on learning more and more Oy v'harev Hashem Oy v'harev Hashem So you tire We'll never feel complete when we're apart Oy 
He sits late at night in the soft candlelight as it casts its warm glow on the pages. And the words that he sees are the secret, the key that has kept us alive through the ages. Why does he cherish the wisdom of old and delight in its study each day? He knows only Torah can nourish his soul. Come listen and hear what he says. Without you, I surely would die. Lulay Sayrama was for Shahashu.
Good life, but it's the end. Where is my son Simo that came to see me from California? Hello, Papa. Goodbye, Simo. Simo, <laughs> my son, it's the end. Don't say that, Papa. It's not the end. Even at the end, my own son is telling me what to say. <laughs> Simo, my boy, believe me, it's the end. All right, Papa, I believe you. It's the end. Simo, I liked it better when you were arguing with me. Papa, 
Is there anything I can get for you? Yes. One thing before I go. I would like one piece of Mama's delicious apple strudel. It's my last wish. I'll get it for you, Papa. What else could a man want but the taste of Mama's apple strudel on his lips when he goes? <laughs> I'm a lucky man. I'm back, Papa. Oh, good. The apple strudel. No, Papa. I didn't get it. Mama says you can't have any. What do you mean? Can't have any. She said the strudel is for after the funeral. J.M. in the A.M. <laughs> yes, it is still the month of Adar. Tuesday morning broadcast. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. Much appreciated that you're here with us for yet another JM and the AM broadcast as we add to the list of uh, thousands and thousands of broadcasts that we've done over the years. Lamplighters, that was Moshe Hecht. You heard Sandy Shmueli's Nigun Stiebel. Peace done by Zusha. Mati Katz of Blessed Memory with Bitru. Torah Medley done by Baruch Levine off the album Off the Record. And of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Tuesday on this March 2nd, day 18 in the month of Adar. The year is 5781, Tufshin Aleph. 23 degrees, the wind chills at 12 with 42% humidity. Winds in northwest at 13 miles per hour. It is cold out there. Sunny today, but wind gusts up to 40 miles an hour. High temperature of 38. Then tonight, clear skies and a low of 32. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, a high temperature. 52 degrees, 60 right now in Yerushalayim. We're at 23 with a wind chill of 12 here in New York. Wow. As we say good morning at JM in the AM. Congressman Richie Torres was uh, scheduled for this morning. He's postponed his visit. He'll be with us, please God, before the end of the week. We'll see if we can make that happen. Um, Jew in the City, who is... um, Following closely so many of the stories that are making uh, headlines regarding the Jewish community, Allison Josephs, she'll join us in the 7 o'clock hour this morning. And uh, Mark Gerson, who is the uh, author of a brand new book about Pesach, uh, he's going to join us coming up here at JM in the AM. He is the, um, let me make sure to get this correctly. His official position is chairman of United Hatzalah. You know United Hatzalah? The system of volunteer first response that enables Israelis to be treated within the moments separating life from death following any medical trauma. He's co-founder and chairman of United Hatzalah. Uh, He's out with a brand new book um, entitled The Telling. 
And we'll speak to them about that uh, coming up later on this morning here at JM in the AM. So that's what's happening here on a Tuesday morning broadcast. Today's broadcast is um, being presented in memory of Yehoshua ben Shlomo Zalman Halevi. Yehoshua ben Shlomo Zalman Halevi. It is um, being sponsored on this 18th of Adar, Chai Adar, his uh, yard site, by uh, B and Ralph Rosenbaum, uh, by Arnold Friedfertig. Um, B and Arnold are children of uh, Oscar Friedfertig. And um, again, we remember him today on the 18th of Adar, his yard site, Yehoshua ben Shlomo Zalman Halevi. More coming up. It's Tuesday. It's JM in the AM.
ישראל, כמו הסנה הבוער. חשבו שנרדם, אך ליבו תמיד ער. ושחר חוזר, כל הלילה לחם מתגבר, לבדו ייוותר. עם ישראל, כמו האיש ברמזור, כשיגיע סימן, את הנהר יעבור. הוא לא מפחד לעבור על הגשר הצר, מגיע לחוף ושם. Thank <laughs> you. 
אני מוצא את עצמי חושב. outside the square it was early summer's eve had a table in the open air two of us talking and reading Maari with our friends in Tel Aviv on the crowded avenue people passing by would listen in and the conversation grew over coffee mixed with cardamom 
sit down at our table and join the company with our friends in Tel Aviv. With our friends in Cafe Tel Aviv. Later that evening we took a walk under the lights of the fountain. coffee meet the stars above everything was all right and our problems seemed to just dissolve had no appointments no particular place to be with our friends in Tel J.M. in the A.M. Cafe Tel Aviv done by Safam. Wow, that goes back a while, doesn't it? <laughs> sure does. Atoch Alam, brand new. Aryeh Kunstler and Eliyahu Chait. Brand new selection just introduced this week. I'm Yisrael, done by Aaron Rezel. You heard Yoni Z with Hallelujah here at J.M. in the A.M. Opened up that set with Yonatan Rezel's Hatov. On a uh, Tuesday morning broadcast, March the 2nd, the 18th of Adar. It's Chai Adar. Today is the yard site of uh, Yehoshua Ben Shlomo Zalman Halevi. And uh, today's show is dedicated to his memory by Ralph and B. Rosenbaum, by Arnold Fried Fertig, uh, children of Oscar Fried Fertig. And we remember him on this uh, Chai Adar, this 18th of Adar, March the 2nd, here at JM in the AM. Um, yeah, coming up, we have a uh, conversation with, um, a Jew in the city, Allison Joseph. She's been following the 
latest news regarding uh, um, outrageous stories of anti-Semitism or great misunderstandings, depending on how you look at them. And we'll get her uh, take on some of those things coming up here at JM and the AM. I want to remind everybody that we have a service resume at NahumSiegel.com where we are literally during these trying times trying to uh, match up those who are seeking employment with those who are looking for employees. Um. It's very simple. Send us your resume, resume at NahumSiegel.com, resume at NahumSiegel.com. Anything in the uh, Jewish professional not-for-profit realm will pass on to our friends at the Joel Pohl Group. Everything else, we try our best to make a recommendation, uh, which will hopefully lead to employment. So again, it's resume at NahumSiegel.com, resume, R-E-S-U-M-E, at NahumSiegel.com, feel free to send yours. Feel free to send those uh, resumes of those in your life, friends and relatives who are looking for jobs, and we will certainly try our best. That I can guarantee you. And a big thank you to the Joel Paul Group for their participation with us. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NahumSiegel.com and the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. We have Golly Tzal in the background. There are news from Israel coming up. And then plenty more. Mark Gerson's going to join us. He's not only the uh, co-founder of United Hatzalah, which saves a lot of lives every single day in Israel. In addition, he is uh, an author of a brand new book having to do with uh, Pesach, with our Haggadah. We'll speak with him coming up here at JM in the AM. Yeah, the comment on the app, the song is Aryeh Kunstler and Eliyahu Chait. Aryeh Kunstler and Eliyahu Chait are responsible for the song entitled Oto Chalom here at JM in the AM. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next at JM in the AM. גליצה מירושלים השעה שתיים שלום רב באולפן עמלי חביב פרגון עם מה שקורה עכשיו הקורונה בקרב נשים בהיריון 47 נשים הרות או יולדות מושפזות עם קורונה בבתי החולים השונים ברחבי הארץ שמונה מהן במצב אנוש שש מונשמות כתבנו לענייני בריאות יובל סגב מציין שאף אחת מהנשים לא חוסנה בשתי מנות יהודה בן שטרית בעלה של אוסנת בן שטרית זכרונה לברכה בת 32 שנפטרה לפני כשבוע שבוע מקורונה, בשבוע השלושים להריונה, שוחח עם אמיר איבגי בגלי צהל. אני בר מזל שיש לי משפחה חזקה ותומכת, וכל עם ישראל תומך, ומתקשרים כל היום באיפה אפשר לעזור, ואיפה אפשר לתמוך. בסופו של דבר, אתה זה שנשאר עם הילדים. אתמול זה היה פעם ראשונה שחזרנו לבית עם הילדים כדי לנסות להחזיר אותם לשגרה. מפה התחלתי להרגיש פתאום את ההתמודדות, ואני מתפלל שהקדוש ברוך הוא ישלח לי כוחות, אבל אני אהיה בטוח שאני אהיה בשביל הילדים, ואין לנו יושב ראש ועדת החוקה, חבר הכנסת יעקב אשר, פנה למשטרה כדי שתחקור את המקום ממנו נשלחים מדי יום אלפי הודעות וואטסאפ לחברי הכנסת החברים בוועדה, הקוראים להם להתנגד לאישור תקנות הדרכון הירוק. כתבנו בכנסת יניר קוזין פרסם כי חברי הוועדה מוצפים בהודעות שנשלחות מדי יום באלפי עותקים. חלק מחברי האופוזיציה שהתכוונו להתנגד לדרכון הירוק בתוצרתו הנוכחית שוקלים להצביע בעד בעקבות הצפת ההודעות.
מנהיגי הציונות הדתית נגד פסיקת בג"ץ בעניין חוק השבות. אין להחלטה כל משמעות, מדווח כתבנו שחר גליק. בהודעה שפרסמו הרבנים חיים דרוקמן, יעקב אריאל, דוב ליאור, זלמן מלמד ושורת רבנים בכירים נוספים מארגון תורת הארץ הטובה, הם כותבים כי כל גיור שאיננו אורתודוקסי הוא הצהרה ריקה מתוכן, ולדבריהם פסיקת בית המשפט להכיר בגיור רפורמי היא פסיקה בטלה ומבוטלת מכוח התורה. הרבנים מסתמכים על כלל הקובע כי מעשה שנעשה בעבירה איננו תקף, וקוראים לחוקק חוק שיבטל את הפסיקה. יושב ראש ועדת הבחירות המרכזית, השופט עוזי פוגלמן, הוציא צו האוסר על שידור קטע סטנדאפ בהשתתפות ראש הממשלה נתניהו, שאמור היה להיות משודר הערב בערוץ רשת. השופט ציין כי מדובר בתעמולת בחירות אסורה. עורך הדין שחר בן מאיר, שהגיש את העתירה, ברך על ההחלטה. בליכוד הודיעו שיגישו ערעור על הפסיקה. זיהום הזפת בחופי ישראל. השרה להגנת הסביבה גילה גמליאל הבהירה לפני שעה קלה, יש לנו מספר חשודים, אנחנו עושים מאמץ למצוא את העבריין. עושים הכל, גם בזירה הבינלאומית, על מנת למצוא את העבריין הסביבתי שפגע בחופים ובבעלי החיים במדינת ישראל. יש לנו מספר חשודים פוטנציאליים, אנחנו בוחנים אותם, ואנחנו מקווים גם כן שנוכל לכרוך את הראיות עם החשדות ולמצוא את העבריין הסביבתי. מדבריה של השרה גמליאל בטקס חנוכת מפעל מחזור פסולת באתר דודאים, הביא כתבנו רמי שנים. מזג האוויר ללא שינוי בטמפרטורות, צפויים גשמים מקומיים ברובם קלים, בעיקר בצפון הארץ. אלה החדשות שעורך רועי ולד.
Here we go.
Jam in the AM with the Weinrib Brothers. That's called Moda Ani, the Wake Up Country Jam. Mordechai Shapiro before that with Ivdu. You heard him Mishkachich. Uh, that was Derek Achim to open up the hour here at Jam in the AM. Tuesday morning broadcast, Jam in the AM on this 18th of Adar. We're dedicating today's show to the memory of Yoshua ben Shlomo Zalman Halevi. Yoshua ben Shlomo Zalman Halevi here at Jam in the AM. We just discovered a brand new Dovi Shapiro song slash video. It's called Ima Shali. Dovi Shapiro is brand new at JM in the AM. Petekatan Ulai Matana Afam Lofis Fast Etayomba Shana Masim Ktani 
you here at the grave for over a half hour. I guess the deceased was a close relative. No, I never met him. I why did you die? Why did uh, you die? I beg your pardon, sir. You say you never met him and you carry on like this. Then tell me, who is buried here? My wife's first husband. 
Heute ist ja J.M. in the A.M. <laughs> yes, it is still the month of Adar. <laughs> sunny today with a lot of wind and a high of 38. Tonight, clear, low 32, and tomorrow, mostly sunny, a high 52. Now we're talking. Yushalayim is at 60. We're at 23 here in New York with a wind chill of 12 on a Tuesday morning here at J.M. and A.M. As we mentioned, today's show is dedicated to the memory of uh, Yoshua ben Shlomo Zalman Halevi. And... Um, that's Oscar Friedfertig and uh, B. Rosenbaum and Arnold Friedfertig are his children. And we're dedicating this morning's show to his memory on the 18th of Adar, his yard site. Uh, what else do we have here? This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abels and Hyman makes traditional kosher delicacies, pastrami, corned beef, salami, and more. Old World Classics, Beef Fry, Kishka, and more, and Modern Better for You kosher products, including no nitrate added, reduced fat, and reduced sodium hot dogs, plus many other unique items. Visit the website at kosherdogs.net. Enjoy a 10% discount with promo code radio. And try A&H today. want to remind everybody about the uh, brand-new book from Art Scroll entitled My Pesach Kitchen, Stress-Free Recipes Your Family Will Love. Recipes and photos by uh, Fagy Murray with a bonus section of step-by-step guides for planning and making Pesach. Hmm, how do you like that? We'll have an opportunity to speak with the author here at JM in the AM. I think this week, if I'm not mistaken. Was that scheduled? for? I think this week. Uh, anyway, I remind you that when you go to artscroll.com, when you go to artscroll.com and you check out the brand-new Uncle Maishi book or the brand-new Uncle Maishi video, Excuse me, CD, to put it more accurately. The brand new Uncle Maishi book, the brand new Uncle Maishi CD, the um, brand new cookbook, My Pesach Kitchen by Fagy Murray. Always use promo code radio. You'll get your discount, you'll get your free shipping. Whenever you're on artscroll.com, always use Promo <laughs> promo code radio. Never a reason not to use it. Always use promo code radio when you're on artscroll.com. Simple as that. After all, you want to save, save, save. Um, so again, always use promo code radio at the artscroll. Dot com. You'll be glad you did. Uh, our friends at uh, Aaron's Casino Farms are in uh, are in hyper pre-Pesach mode. They have stepped it up. They're at laser speed, getting ready for um, for the big holiday of Pesach. You'll walk in and you'll see that they are continuously getting products on the shelves. They have completely transformed the store. So now you have your one-stop Pesach shop all under one roof. And the Aaron's does it the way nobody else does. Every product you can imagine. Great meat section. Wonderful dairy section. Start planning your menus and start getting what you need. As Aaron's gets ready for Pesach, everybody out there should be getting ready for Pesach. And don't forget, they're going to be sponsoring our big pre-Pesach program, which is happening on the 
23rd of March, same day as the Israeli election. How do you like that? 23rd of March right here at JM in the AM. And uh, we're getting ready for a uh, comprehensive show. And that Aaron's getting ready for a, a comprehensive shopping experience. That's what happens before Pesach. Families go through these comprehensive shopping experiences. And the only way to make it easy on yourself and the only way to make it uh, an easier experience is by going to Aaron's. Aaron's Casino Farms. Go to CasinoFarms.com for information on the web. CasinoFarms.com. Aaron's proud sponsor of the Nahum Siegel Network and getting everybody ready with one-stop Pesach shopping under one roof on Casino Boulevard in Queens, New York. Check it out. You'll be very impressed. That is an understatement. You'll be impressed, all right. Our friends of Partners in Torah remind you that if you'd like to undertake a very uplifting experience of being a mentor or student in the Partners in Torah program, literally dedicating one hour a week to enhancing your life. And it's not just the students whose life is enhanced. It's not just those who are trying to discover more about our tradition and heritage whose life is enhanced. It's literally uh, an enhancement of the uh, life of the teacher or mentor as well. And you'll know what I mean about a half hour into the process. Give it a shot. Give it a shot. Partnersintorah.org, partnersintorah.org, or 1-800-STUDY-4-2, 1-800-STUDY, the number four, and then the number two. You will be inspired. Your uh, Jewish uh, life experience will be enhanced. All we need you to do is make that call at 1-800-STUDY-4-2 or just log on to partnersintorah.org and get ready for a life changing experience. Well, as we mentioned, today's show, and of course, uh, Rabbi Goldwasser's words are Lezecher Nishmas Yoshua Ben Shlomo Zalman Halevi, um, the Rosenbaums and the Freed Fertigs, dedicating the, this morning's uh, morning chizuk to the memory of Oscar Freed Fertig. So again, uh, as we usually do, Rabbi Goldwasser's words, Lezecher Nishmas Harav Zebin Abiyosav Halevi, and Lezecher Nishmas Esther Basar Abiyosav Halevi. In addition, today, in memory of Yoshua ben Shlomo Zalman Halevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. The Talmud tells us that when Hashem wanted to appoint B'Tzalel as the master builder of the Mishkan, he first conferred with Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe then consulted with B'nai Yisrael whether they would agree that B'Tzalel should indeed be the master builder. From this we can understand that in order for a person to be in a position of leadership, the public has to agree to it. As it says, as it is brought in the Shulchan Aruch, the Code of Jewish Law. The Zerashim should ask the question, why wouldn't B'Tzalel be the right candidate for the position? Why did Hashem have to first confer with Moshe Rabbeinu about it? There is no question that Moshe had implicit faith and trust in Hashem. Whatever Hashem's choice was, Moshe would certainly be in full agreement to it. However, we learn a very interesting law, a din in the Shulchan Aruch. That is that one is not allowed to decide a halacha in front of his Rebbe. Certainly, at some point, B'Tzalah would have to paskin a halacha concerning the building of the Mishkan in order for B'Tzalah not to have to face the challenge 
of deciding a halach in front of his Rebbe. The Pasuk tells us, I will fill him with a godly spirit, with understanding and knowledge, and with every type of work. As a result, it was really Hashem who was the primary Rebbe of B'Tzalel, not Moshe Rabbeinu. Because of this, B'Tzalel was allowed to paskan halacha even in front of Moshe Rabbeinu. Now we can understand why it is that Hashem conferred with Moshe Rabbeinu. He wanted to make sure at the time that Moshe Rabbeinu would give permission to B'Tzalel to paskan the halacha to decide the law in his presence. I once had the great schus, the privilege of being together with my Rebbe, the great tzaddik Rav Simcha Wasserman, Zechot Tzaddik Livracha, the Rosh Yeshiva of Orel Chonon. We were at a Bar Mitzvah celebration, a huge celebration, and there I was seated at my table, and the host came over to me and asked if I would speak to say a Devar Torah in honor of the Bar Mitzvah. I told him I would love to. However, since my great Rebbe is also present, I would not speak in front of him because it's not the proper honor. He accepted my answer. A minute later, I felt somebody tugging at my shoulders. Immediately, I turned around and it was my Rebbe, Rav Simcha Wasserman. He bent over and said to me in my ear, The host of the Bar Mitzvah tells me that you want to deprive your Rebbe of hearing your Devar Torah. I said, No, Rebbe, I agree. I'm going to speak immediately. He didn't leave me until I stood up and spoke. Such is the greatness of all the tzaddikim in Noshim Tzidkonios of all the generations. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you Morning Chizik. Have a nice day. JM in the AM, and as we mentioned earlier today, Rabbi Goldwasser's words, Morning Chizuk, um, are being done on this, uh, are being dedicated on this 18th of Adar to the memory of Yoshua ben Shlomo Zalman Halevi. And uh, again, that's the uh, Rosenbaum and Friedfertig families in uh, memory of Oscar Friedfertig, whose uh, yard site is today the 18th of Adar. Tuesday morning broadcast, you're listening to JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. Tuesday morning broadcast on the 2nd of March and the 18th day in the month of uh, Adar. You're at J.M. in the A.M. Well, there have been a lot of interesting stories recently uh, regarding um, portrayal of Jews in the media. Saturday Night Live, that was an interesting one. Um, the show Nurses, that was an interesting one. And then there's a, uh, and then there's, um, some interesting stuff going on in the world of reality. I don't mean reality television. I mean the actual real world. Uh, how many of you heard about the story from the, uh, from yesterday's news about Frontier Airlines? And a uh, group of Hasidic Jews were thrown off of a flight, ostensibly because some of the members of their party under the age of two were not wearing masks. Anyway, to uh, address some of these issues that are going on out there, uh, we have uh, Allison Josephs with us live via telephone. She hosts Jew in the City Speaks every Thursday at 10 a.m. on the Nahum Siegel Network and, of course, is well-known around the world for her work that is designated um, by the title Jew in the City. You can check out her website. It's a comprehensive look at a lot of the truths and misconceptions about Orthodox Judaism. Allison Josephs, a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Thanks so much. So happy to be back here. Appreciate that. Um, did you hear anything about this Frontier Airlines episode? I did. It seems like there's more bad news every day. It's kind of hard to keep up with the news cycle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't look good. I, I think, you know, I think as Jews, we have to really, really all good citizens of the world have to look at every piece of news, uh, you know, fairly and objectively. And from looking into it, it does not seem like this uh, group of, you know, Hasidim did anything wrong. It seems like they were complying. It seems like non-Jewish passengers on the plane agreed that they were complying, other than their 18-month-old, right. um, and that they were thrown off without good cause. And that's scary. And the truth is that I work with Hasidim in our initiative, Project Makom, which helps former and questioning Hasidic Jews and Haredi Jews find their place in orthodoxy. And I can tell you right now, they are scared to fly. They're talking about this story, and they're asking each other on our chat, what airline can I go on that I won't get thrown off for looking like this? So it's a scary time to, you know, be outwardly Jewish looking. Right. The only thing I'll say, and, and I, I'm agreeing with everything you're telling us, I just want to add that um, there is also an absurdity that seems to extend beyond our community when it comes to the enforcement of uh, certain restrictions that have been uh, implemented because of COVID. And therefore, we've seen how uh, certain Christian groups have been uh, have been treated, and others have been treated. Uh, private homes with private gatherings that have been infiltrated by the police. We've saw that video from Canada, and there are other 
uh, pieces of evidence as well. So yes, I'm I'm not at all dismissing what happened to members of our community and it should be investigated and dealt with. But it seems like this COVID situation has really brought on just some absurd behavior from those who are in the role of supervisor. True. Um, so many of us are aware of the fact that there was an absurd, well, you know what? Let's see if you agree with me. Uh, a, an absurd scene in the show Nurses uh, where they were um, uh, portraying a Hasidic family uh, who it, se- it seemed were um, reluctant to accept the limb, if I have this right, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, the limb of a non-Jewish person in order to save the leg of their son. Am I right so far? Yeah, that's correct. This is this is actually the clip that we resurfaced last week. Um, this episode actually comes from a Canadian show called Nurses. NBC was low on content this year due to the pandemic. And so they acquired the show from Canada, paid for by Canadian tax dollars, apparently, from what I saw. So the show aired in February 2020. No one said a peep. And then it aired two weeks ago in the U.S. And about a week and a half ago, I started hearing some murmurings about an off-color, you know, offensive episode. But we had a lot of content that was coming up on our site. And I didn't quite have the time to sit down and watch yet another negative portrayal of Orthodox Jews. And then uh, last Erev Shabbos, an Orthodox nurse reached out to us and she said, there's this awful episode. Our Nurses Association is talking about it. Can you do something? I had asked her if she would write it. She didn't have the time. And so on Tuesday morning, I opened up my laptop and I started watching this. And this episode was vile. I mean, not only does it have the glued on payas and the beards and, you know, everything is so serious and no one does anything but, I don't know, be serious and have no personality at all times. Then the show got to the next level of uh, rejecting this goyim bone, is literally how they called it, uh, because the father was afraid it could come from an Arab or even a woman. Um, And then the the episode just continues to hit you over the head with the fact that um, our choices are medicine or prayer. Can't believe in both, so we're obviously on team prayer, and we don't believe in medicine at all. Um, And just continue to hit us over the head with the idea that Hasidic Jews hate Gentiles and women. Um, and so we released this clip. Uh, first, I wrote a response on our website, com. Then I posted a 40-second clip onto Twitter, and from there it blew up, Nachum. Within uh, two days, it had a million views. It was covered on basically every major news outlet, and 26 hours after I first posted that clip on Twitter, NBC announced to Hollywood Reporter that they were taking the episode off the air. And that was it. And, um, and 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 off the air at this point means they'll never re-air it or keep it on their digital platform, right? I mean, that's basically what it they'll means. Never, they'll never re-air it or keep it on digital platform. And I think as far as I understand it, this has never happened before for an episode involving uh, uh, an Orthodox character. They started doing this in the past year for offensive black portrayals. I'm not sure if any other ethnicity, to be honest, has ever had an episode pulled off for offensive portrayals. So the fact that um, this is now happening with um, an Orthodox character is really a historic thing. And this is a conversation that we've been having, uh, you know, since 2007, since I launched you in the city. In fact, there was an episode on Fox 5 on um, the Mindy channel that was super offensive to Orthodox Jews. Um, And I made a video about it. It actually got to the production team of the Mindy Project. And I had a chat with uh, some of the people that made that episode. Um, but 
Hollywood has been really reluctant. You know, there's a lot of Jews there, so they've been really reluctant yeah. to... I was just, um, just going to say, it's likely the person you spoke to was probably Jewish. Yes, the person I spoke to yeah. was Jewish, and <laughs> the executive go. producer of Nurses is Jewish. Right. And I think what the challenge, I think what the challenge is, is that, and I think a lot of people in the Orthodox world don't realize this, and sometimes people get kind of ticked off when I tell them, but sorry if you will be, we are not liked. We are not liked in the larger world. We are not liked by a lot of fellow Jews, unfortunately. And the reason is because we have actual problems in the community amongst our most dysfunctional and abusive kind, like all communities do. And then the media goes and amplifies those stories so that the world, including our fellow Jews, believe that the worst cases in our community is normative. And so that's really the challenge that we have, separating abuse and dysfunction from the norm. And also, at the same time, um, making sure that we're speaking out against our problems and looking to always improve. Well, I don't know if, the, if, if those who analyze the history of anti-Semitism would agree with you that uh, that those are the reasons that people hate us. I think there are other underlying reasons, and most of them, you know, completely, uh, you know, without founding. Um, so let me just jump in. Not anti-Semitism, anti-Orthodoxy. It's a specific type of hatred that also includes fellow Jews. In fact, it may actually be a stronger feeling amongst fellow Jews than non-Jews. Right. I was yeah. raised with these feelings. Wow. Now, in all seriousness, and I'm not, I'm not challenging you, I think what you did was amazing, and I'm proud of the Jewish community and the response on social media and through whatever avenues were utilized in order to get NBC to pull the show, and, and certainly I think that's appropriate. But just, you, know, you, you mentioned before you work with Project Macomb, it's your project, and, um, and, and therefore I think you could address this. In all seriousness, you must have come across certain members of the Hasidic or post-Hasidic community who, who have told you that what they portrayed on that show, and I, by the way, I would never bring this up outside of this audience, obviously. I wouldn't do this if we were on you know, a, a secular program. But there, there have to be people who acknowledge that there are some people who, who take their <laughs> dedication to the community to a very, very far extreme and sound similar to the people who were portrayed in that episode. And look, when I wrote my response, I acknowledged the fact that we have, uh, you know, unfortunately racist and sexist among our people. Um, and we obviously have to own up to that and we have to speak up against that. And we also have to think about how do we change education? How do we change messaging from within to try to, you know, um, push back at those awful ideas? I think what's important in terms of a short media representation, because every episode eventually has the, you know, Hussit episode where they represent the crazy Jew. Right. The problem is that if we only get a few minutes on TV, on a TV show, like once every couple of years, and it's always representing um, the most outrageous or negative possibility of what we could be, that leaves people with a really skewed view of who we are. Right. So first of all, don't go and invent you know, fake halachos because we don't actually have an idea of not taking an organ donation from another uh, you know, body. Right. Um, number two, if you want to make us into uh, sexist and racist occasionally, uh, yes, we do unfortunately have those people in our community, but also we have a bunch of wonderful people in our community too. So if uh, you know, a person creating a storyline wants to be fair, instead of trying to make a character you know, wholly uh, a sinner or a saint, we would probably try to come up with a complex, uh, you know, version of a human being, which is what we are. We we are human beings, and some of you know some of us are better and worse, but we are are complex. And to always sort of beat us over the head, and again, sort of the outward-looking Jewishness filled with these you know hateful ideas, 
it ends up being damaging. And I would argue that it actually um, incites violence against our community because right. when a, a community is othered, when a, you know someone is dehumanized, and there's nothing that we can relate to in how they conduct themselves, how they act, you see one of those Jews now walking in the street. They're easy to identify. Boom, you know, you can go out and attack them. And that's exactly what we've seen, the right. incidents of violence is um, is rising. But we have a part two coming up, um, Nahum, which I'm excited to talk about, and I haven't told anyone else, and I'm going to tell you right now. And part two is? Part two, we're actually going to 30 Rock uh, next week, God willing. Um, we are going with um, actual Hasidic characters from their shows. We're printing out life-size Hasids that they've depicted in their shows, um, and we are challenging NBC to do better for future productions because, yes, the episode was removed, and yes, the original production company, Entertainment One, did issue an apology, and they said that they would like to re-examine their process and learn how to learn better. Um, so now we're going to challenge them and say, good, we are here to teach you. How Take many, us up on it. How many Hasidic characters will be associated with 30 Rock? I mean, how many are there? Uh, no, no, uh, 30 Rockefeller Center. No, I know, but how many? The NBC headquarters. No, no, I, I, uh, well, I, you know, um, we, I mean, look, the, um, NBC has had um, several shows, you know, over the years, um, Law and Order, House, the show 30 Rock. It's really a message not just to NBC, it's a message to all the networks, because really this is a long overdue conversation. Um, and what we really see was this is just sort of a point in time where someone actually listened. I do believe that the SNL moment where people were already outraged sort of geared people up for further outrage. And we're very excited that Within, you know, 26 hours, the episode was removed. The production company yeah. offered an apology. This has really never happened. So what we're hoping will happen now is that we'll be able to sort of use this moment of time. Additionally, there's a new understanding in the world. There's a new sensitivity about depicting minorities in sensitive ways and doing your homework. And so we're hoping to sort of capitalize on this moment to say, good, you're listening. You should not just even learn what our halachos are, but take a few minutes to get to know one of us so that you see us as a fellow human being. Because how could you possibly depict us with any sort of positivity or humanity if you don't even see us as human? Right. Understood. Yeah, I just was wondering about the <laughs> how many Jewish characters uh, could be associated with NBC, but I guess you're right. There are a lot of episodes over the years that have had Jewish characters portrayed by shows that were on uh, the network. And, uh, now and I will tell you, th this is where my opinions came from. I saw them first in TV and movies, the, you know, Orthodox Jews. And by the way, I would lump you and me with the same ones that were on TV because I could not tell the difference. And then I saw the newspaper headlines, and it was further reinforcement in my mind that these were just awful extremist people, and they were an embarrassment to me as a Jew. So there really are serious consequences to continually uh, only portraying the absolute worst imaginable scenarios and never showing someone, you know, the positive side that also exists. The Saturday Night Live thing outraged me even more, and uh, I shared with the audience what I said at the rally on Saturday night at 30 Rock, and, and the reason it outraged me even more is because it's reality. You know, one thing about the television show is you could say that, you know, it's based in fiction, hopefully at least a small if not larger percentage of people get that, that it's a fictitious story. Uh, but here they had the nerve, the chutzpah, uh, the outrageous uh, 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 claim that Israel that takes care of its own better than anybody and Israel that takes care of everybody else better than anybody would dare hold back a uh, required vaccine for any of its citizens, Jew, Muslim, Christian, Bedouin, anybody. And it just, that, that was what, what was completely outrageous to me because 
Frankly, if Lorne Michaels, who's Jewish, if his parents were in an earthquake uh, and it was an internationally known episode, you know the first people that would that would volunteer to come and help his parents and everybody else who were victims would be the state of Israel. I completely agree, and it was outrageous, but I will just say one more thing about people's lack of being able to discern reality from uh, fiction. Like I said, I grew up watching these shows. You take a show like Schtitzel, which actually does show some humanity and does show some detail. One of my close friends from high school who is a Reformed Jew, and she watched me become religious. She, I mentioned to her that Schtitzel is great, but it's a little bit, it's like a little extreme. It's not, you know, exactly what we're doing here in my community. And she said to me, that's kind of funny coming from you. Right. I said, because you think my life is like Schtitzel? And she said, yeah, pretty much. And she asked me, you know, so how is it that 16-year-olds get married? So she literally thought the storyline with a 16-year-old girl getting married is a real thing. She could not distinguish the difference between my life and Schtitzel. So I know it seems absurd and hard to grasp, but really every fictional depiction of an Orthodox or Hasidic Jew on TV, there is likely a large percentage of people that is just taking that at face value and not doing any analysis beyond that. And I was one of them. So good people do it too. Allison Joseph's Jew in the City. Finally, I got to ask you this. You, you, you do associate, as you said, uh, and try to help as many people as possible who at one time were very ensconced in the Hasidic community. And, and I can only imagine how bitter many of them are because, again, of the restrictions and the and the guidelines that were difficult for them and, and for a million other reasons, which we could discuss in a different conversation. But do, but do they have pride in the positive? You're, you're talking about, you know, the NBC producers uh, taking Jewish characters and at the minimum should, you know, show some real humanity and some, you know, good things about our community. Do they take pride in our community? Are they, are they completely bitter or they look back at their at the community they've left and they have some uh, good feelings about it? It's a really good question. Look, we have uh, about 230 members at this point, so obviously there's different experiences for different people. I would say the people that are drawn to Project Mako, by and large, number one, have nearly all survived trauma, um, and number two, are coming to a place like Project Mako because they are trying to repair their relationship to Judaism. So it's already, you know, a, a certain type of group that we're attracting. Um, but what I would say is that while some of them may, you know, hold some uh, negative feelings or really a lot of deep hurt for what they went through, there is that spark inside nearly everybody that um, does, they, they want to be on the team of the winners, essentially. They want to be with the good guys. And when we can highlight for them, also fellow Hasidim, by the way, because we profile positive Hasidic stories on Jew in the city. Right. So when they can get a chance to meet, you know, quote-unquote meet positive examples of Hasidic Jews, you know, being open-minded, you know, doing things that they hadn't heard was possible before, that actually does give them a dose of pride. And it really gives them a dose of hope that this search that they're on to sort of reconcile their relationship to Judaism uh, will come out fruitful. So, uh, yes, there is hurt that many of them hold for a very good reason, but at the same time, we are attracting a group of people that is looking to, you know, make peace and, and find a positivity in where they come from. Do you have a, a date and time for NBC, or you'll let us know? Uh, we're, we're looking towards the end of next week. We're kind of looking at the the forecast. We have a couple of good days looking. We're seeing how quickly we can print our life-size custodian <laughs> in the printer. Um, and we will, we'll keep you posted on the exact date. We'll be posting it on social media um, when we have it solidified. But um, we, we are hoping we can keep this conversation going. Um, I can't tell you, starting this organization on my couch in 2007 with no plan and, you know, being able to ignite this media firestorm that got NBC, the Goliath, to 
remove an episode within a day um, is remarkable. It feels historic. And, you know, we're going to do our best to, to keep this conversation going and let them know if you make one of our characters in your productions, call us first. We'll help you do a better job. Great job, Allison. Um, thanks so much for joining us. Everyone go to JewInTheCity.com for information and the uh, latest news regarding all of this. Allison Josephs, Jew in the City, uh, with us on Thursdays at 10 a.m. with Jew in the City Speaks. Thanks so much, Allison. Thank you. Bye-bye. Five minutes before 8 o'clock. More coming up. You're listening to a Tuesday morning edition of JM in the AM. <laughs> תשיב בי את הרוח, תוריד ממני את הגשם, היה לי יום זמן לנוח, התרגלתי קצת בעצם, ובמרחב הפתוח, רואים באופק את השמש, אין ספק אני בטוח, בסוף עוד תתבהר הדרך. פתח לנו שערי אמונה, שערי הבנה, שאין לנו מלך, אלא אתה. סיבת הסיבות, עילת העילות, נורת העילות, ורק לך נאה להודות, על כל הימים, בכל הלילות.
Yishai Rebo, brand new here at JM in the AM. Uh, listener Ellie wants to know about the uh, OU Pesach product show. That's the one that's being brought to you this year by Aaron's Casino Farms, and it'll happen on the 23rd of March, literally three weeks from today, yeah? three, Yeah, 23rd of March, 23, yeah. Three weeks from today, 23rd of March, our OU Pesach product show brought to you by Aaron's Casino Farms of Queens. Have it on the air for you that morning right here at America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSiegel.com and the NachumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Mark Gerson is with us live via telephone. The brand new book is entitled The Telling, How Judaism's Essential Book Reveals the Meaning of Life. And the book he's referring to is the Haggadah Shel Pesach. Uh, Mark Gerson is co-founder of the Gerson-Lerman Group and has been the uh, founder and or seed investor in companies in a variety of industries. As far as this audience is concerned, you will be most impressed with the fact that he is co-founder and chairman of United Hatzalah, the crowdsourced system of volunteer first response that enables Israelis to be treated within the moments separating life from death following any medical trauma. He's also co-founder and chair of the African Mission Healthcare enabling Christian medical missionaries to provide clinical care, training, and medical infrastructure for people throughout Africa. Mark Gerson, a pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. It is such a pleasure and honor to be here, Malcolm. Thank you. Uh, I mean, you ever consider how many lives you're responsible for saving? I know. I know it's the men and women of United Hatzalah who get the credit, and I'm sure you'll be the first one to deflect it in their direction. But but you know you sit around uh, on a on a uh, lazy afternoon and start thinking about the effect that this organization has had on the uh, on the families of Israel. It's just uh, it's just amazing. Well, th- thank you so much. And I mean, Ellie Beer has really created a life saving machine. And at United Hatzalah, we have the discipline of knowing just how much it costs to save a life. Because when we ask donors to contribute to United Hatzalah, we want them to know just how effective their investment is. And Ellie Beer's machine, that is United Hatzalah, it costs right now less than $500 to save a life. Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, and that's because we do about, United Hatzalah does about 1,900 calls a day, and its budget's a little over $20 million. And... We save about 10, 10, about 10% of the people that United Hatzalah treats are absolute saves. United Hatzalah intervention is the difference between life and death. Right. And that's not even including all else United Hatzalah does, from helping uh, pregnant women when they have a child early, to helping people who've been in accidents but aren't going to die, to all the coronavirus treatments, to the humanitarian work we do. I mean, it's just been a such a blessing to be involved with Ellie for now over 15 years. Yeah, United Hatzalah must have had a very, very complicated year over the last year when you toss in all those uh, COVID cases that they no doubt were dealing with. Yeah, I mean, the, the volunteers uh, really in March just kind of um, immediately uh, trans- transitioned from uh, a lot of what they were doing. As accidents declined in March, they became the first response for coronavirus. And the Heroism of the volunteers uh, was just uh, manifest all the time and consistently inspiring, and how these volunteers would just rush into anyone's home to wherever anyone was, knowing that they the victim may have had or definitely had coronavirus, and the volunteers just went in there and risked themselves uh, in order to 
help their fellow Israelis in need, which is what they do all day, every day in response to everything. Co-founder suggests you were there from the beginning. We've heard the story from Ellie in terms of uh, why he was motivated to start it. Were you, in fact, by his side from day one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember meeting Ellie probably, uh, oh, must be 18 years ago now. And uh, Ellie uh, showed me a prototype of an ambicycle, a medically equipped motorcycle, and, and described to me how people all day, every day, uh, die waiting in the 10 minutes it takes for an ambulance to arrive following an emergency. And being a New Yorker, it made intuitive sense to me because we've all heard sirens and seen ambulances and traffic and can easily imagine a victim at the other end and not being treated in time particularly if we imagine that victim choking or bleeding or having a stroke or a heart attack. So I said, uh, I bought the first ambicycle on the spot. I said, I'm in. And it's been uh, basically um, a lifelong friendship and partnership um, ever since. And it's been the really the honor of a lifetime to be able to build this with Ellie. And, um, I, wonder- and I know your listeners have been so generous and it is so important. You know, getting back to your earlier question, it is the donations we get from me and from others are so important. I mean, Ellie and the other volunteers always say that if it weren't for the donors, we'd be working with Band-Aids. <laughs> Good point. I wonder how many ambucycles are actually on the streets of Israel now. You purchased the first one, but, I mean, yeah. it, it, it's got it's got to be in the hundreds, I would guess, at the, if not more at this point. I mean, it has to be. Yeah, it, it, it's in the high hundreds, low thousands. Yeah. Um, and, yes, this audience has been pretty generous. This audience has responded, and this audience is based. I mean, we have a lot of listeners in Israel, obviously, but it's based, obviously, in the New York, New Jersey area. And people have uh, always opened up to the uh, United Hatzalah cause. It's it's an amazing feeling that from thousands of miles away, uh, one can help actually save lives of those who live in Israel. So yeah, it's it's one of those uh, it's one of those um, uh, um, uh, uh, charities that people really feel keep them connected to Israel. And Mr. Gerson, I have a feeling you like charities like that that keep us connected to the Holy Land. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we're talking about the Haggadah, and the Haggadah, it says next year in the land of Israel. And what I'd like to tell people is you can be in the land of Israel next year by making a donation to United Hatzalah, because an ambicycle that you help to support will be on the streets. People will be saved in the land of Israel because of your generosity if you donate to United Hatzalah. So absolutely. I mean, it's a great feeling of Jewish unity, of Jewish fellowship to be able to support these sacred volunteers who are giving up everything, who are risking everything to save the lives of their neighbors in need. And we in New York and throughout the United States and throughout the rest of the world can be their indispensable partners in their life-saving mission. Mark Gerson is with us live via telephone. The book is entitled The Telling, How Judaism's Essential Book Reveals the Meaning of Life. Essential book, in this case, is a reference to the Haggadah. Uh, Mark Gerson, why'd you write the book? Because the Haggadah is is perhaps the greatest book word for word ever written. The Haggadah, which we go through every Passover, sometimes too fast, is really the greatest (laughs) hits of Jewish thought, full of Torah wisdom for us to live happier, better, and more meaningful lives in the year to come. It's also the most interesting book ever written. It makes the Passover Seder as instructive and as fascinating and as memorable as it should be. And so I wrote the book to help show people what actually is in this treasure that will be in our hands on March 27th and 28th? And do you mean the um, uh, do you mean exclusively the biblical references that are in the Haggadah, or do you mean the rituals as well that we uh, undertake during the Seder ceremony? So the book goes through um, all of it, but it concentrates on the Magid section, which of course is the biblically mandated section of the Haggadah. And so um, I go through the passages of the Haggadah that are familiar to everybody. 
and show how they are deeply profound and really help us in the most practical ways to live better and happier, more meaningful lives, exactly as consistent with the Torah. And uh, it's just, there's a, every line in the Haggadah, even perhaps especially the parts that we're so familiar with, there's just gems. It's all treasures. And all we have to do is pick up the book, know how to read it, and start the discussions that these passages are meant to inspire, and we can live better and happier and more fulfilled Jewish lives. Um, well, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about some of the highlights of Magid, if you don't mind, because uh, that'll give us a perspective of, of your approach. Uh, first of all, before I even do that, do you have a word of advice for those? You, know, you alluded to the fact that sometimes we go th- through the Haggadah too quickly. It seems like right. Magid is the area where people want to go the quickest. So do you, do you have any practical advice for those who don't mind the um, expansive, uh, I don't know, Shulchan Aruch or Hallel sections, but sometimes hesitate to lengthen their Magid uh, uh, portion? Well, I would say that Magid is a biblically mandated portion. So when Moses envisioned the Seder, which he did in Exodus 12 and 13, it's the Magid section. And so... That's the section that really should inspire us to do serious investigation, to have great discussions, to ask incredible questions, all of which are laid right up in the Haggadah. We just have to know how to read it. And these these passages in the Megid, I mean, every single one of them could constitute the most interesting evening of the Jewish year. So because we actually can't do every single one of them with justice, uh, the Haggadah is a book that is actually not meant to be finished. You can't finish it in a lifetime, let alone one night. I would encourage people to identify two, three, five passages in Magid that would be especially resonant for their audiences at their Seder, and to try to call out the deep Jewish wisdom that's so interesting and so within each one, and make that the topic of a conversation at the Seder for this year. All right, just to make it clear, we did not discuss any of this in advance, but obviously I'm going to cite some of the highlights of Magid to ask you about. Uh, We know about the four sons. Um, Many people have, uh, over the years, spoken at the Seder of many different approaches to how we view the four sons that are portrayed in the Seder. Do you have a unique approach to those four individuals? Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of the many incredible uh, parts of the, uh, uh, the Haggadah. And uh, so the first question I ask is, why are there four sons? Now, of course, four is a very important number in Judaism. It's the Jewish number of completion. But I believe the real reason why there are four sons is because the night is too short for there to be 400 million sons. What the Haggadah is teaching us is that we are all created in God's image. God is quintessentially unique, and therefore each of us is unique. And therefore, as Jewish parents and Jewish educators, every parent is a Jewish educator, we have to identify and respect and teach to the sacred uniqueness that is in each child. And we have to realize that each person, each child, experiences God in a unique way, and that we have to welcome that and to acknowledge that as Jewish educators, as Jewish parents, we have to open up the gates of our faith to people who approach it in all kinds of ways, whether it's a wise son or son who doesn't know how to ask. And it just teaches us that profound lesson about Jewish education. Wow, phenomenal. Uh, the Ten Plagues, another very important biblical reference in the Magid section of the Haggadah. You actually ask in a chapter heading the question, why any plagues? Uh, what, right. could, what could you tell us about the need for God to have utilized plagues against Egypt? Well, I would say we can ask any five-year-old at a Seder, if your God and your goal was only to free the Jews, what technique would you, would you have used? 
And the five-year-old might answer, I would have used a magic carpet. I would have used a giant water slide from Egypt into the promised land. Right. But instead, God chooses the plagues. Because what God is doing is he's not only trying to free the Jews, he's also trying to educate the world that he is the one true God. And if we read the plagues as is prescribed in the Exodus text, we can see how God is announcing himself, how God's describing himself, and how God is, in fact, educating the world about the truth of ethical monotheism, in addition to freeing the Jews. Very cool. You ask a question about... And if I, I hope I have this right, again, the book is not in front of me because Mazal Tov to you. It literally comes out today, but I have been sent a lot of great notes, a lot of great notes about it. Uh, and we should mention, by the way, it's available on Amazon. And, and these days, I don't know if you have to mention anything else, right? <laughs> it's, no, that's, that's great. <laughs> so people can check it out. It's called The Telling, How Judaism's Essential Book Reveals the Meaning of Life. Mark Gerson, the author, is with us. You ask a question that I never really considered, and I hope I understand this correctly, again, because I'm doing this off of a heading and not the book itself, but are you asking why people like Moses and Joseph, Yosef, are not mentioned much, if at all, in the Haggadah? Yeah, they're not mentioned at all in the Haggadah. I mean, Moses is not mentioned, Joseph's not mem- mentioned, and the great women of the Exodus, Shifra and Pua and uh, uh, Miriam and the Pharaoh's daughter, they're not mentioned in the Haggadah either, which, which is really interesting. It's one of the many parts of the Haggadah which is so interesting, because if you were to give your child an assignment, expl- tell me the story of the Exodus, and you can't mention Moses, you can't mention Joseph, and you can't mention any of the, the, uh, those heroic women in the early Exodus— the child would not know how to do it. It would actually be, it might be technically impossible, yet in the Haggadah, our, our sacred text of telling the story of the Exodus, we don't mention them. So that leads to the question as to why are they excluded? And I believe the reason is the, Haggadah, the authors of the Haggadah are instructing us in a profound lesson, that when it comes to education, this is a task that can't be outsourced. We have to educate our children. The Haggadah is a great guidebook but what we have to do with the Seder is we have to discuss the women of the Exodus. We have to discuss Moses. We have to discuss Joseph. That there's no guidebook that can do our job for us. The Haggadah is the greatest guidebook ever written, but that's all it is. We have to educate our children, and in our Seders, we have to tell about Moses, Joseph, and lots of other people. And I knew this was going to happen. Of course, one of our listeners has already uh, mentioned that there is one reference to Moshe, to Moses, and that is the, uh, uh, the quote from the Bible but that's it. I mean, that, that's your point exactly. I mean, that's the exception that proves the rule. Uh, that exactly, I- and that's on the Magid section. That's later, yeah. And, oh, is and it? So, and, but, but if we're going to tell the story of the Exodus in its fullness, Moses has to be all over the story. Moses is the hero of the story. Moses is the protagonist of the story. And it's up to each of us participants in the Seder to educate our children about Moses, to learn the story, and to use the Haggadah as a guidebook for when we tell the story. And I also talk about the... Um, the four questions. Now, one of the many interesting things about the four questions is they're supposed to arouse the interest of the children. Right. But how many children, or how many of us have been to Seders where a child has leapt out of her chair and said, oh my God, we're dipping twice, tell me the story of the Exodus. <laughs> That's a good one. Go ahead, yeah. I don't think it's ever happened. And, and it's not like kids these days, because if you look at the great rabbis in ancient history, they all had a different, I don't know about they all, but many of them had a different technique, whether it was toasted grains or something like popcorn. Because I think it's an instruction to us. It says that when you want to educate your children, generic instruction doesn't work. We have to recognize and identify the sacred uniqueness that is within each child at the Seder or in whatever platform there is, and we have to teach to him or her. It's what King Solomon said. 
educate each child according to his way. By the way, what you just said is an amazing endorsement, I, I, if I understand you correctly. It's an amazing endorsement for all those modern accoutrements that people have created to keep the Seder interesting for kids, whether it be exactly. whether it be uh, you know the maca, the, the plague puppets, or, or the plague toys that people now use in the middle of their table during the middle of Magid, or any of the other you know acute little things that that are the modern day version of what you just described. I mean, I, I, I think uh, exactly right. I think when it comes to the uh, um, the four questions, um, we should all think about. What is unique about the child in front of us? And ask that child a question. And so one thing our family does is when we, when we want our children to say, why is this night different from all other nights, we know they're not, it's not going to be about what kind of vegetables they're eating. Right. When a child asks a good question, we throw a marshmallow at them. <laughs> that's, that's... And, but, but I think every family should think of something different like that to make this night as memorable as it can be and as memorable as God wants it to be for all of us and all of our health. Right. And, it, it, and that's just... Whatever we think would arouse the interest of the particular children who are at our Seder. Right. In some families, uh, any kid who asks too many questions might be exiled to the bedroom. But uh, <laughs> for those for those who want to get the meal over with. Uh, but yes, what you're saying is 100% accurate. Uh, those out there that are able to keep their children engaged and are able to make the Seder more exciting and educational, you are accomplishing a great deal on Seder night. The book is entitled The Telling, How Judaism's Essential Book Reveals the Meaning of Life. Mark Gerson is with us live via telephone. Now, I was told about you um, that your your Shabbos and Yuntif table in general is pretty full. Are you, I, I don't know what happened last year because we know that the COVID was really rampant in April of 2020, but are you anticipating a bit of a larger Seder table this time around? Uh, you know, at, at last year's Seder... Um, to show how, how ignorant I was, I, I said, okay, obviously this is, this is so sad. We can't do the kinds of seders that we should do. And we really, and when I say should do, I mean it because I discussed in the book how the Jewish people comes together around the seder because one family has to invite another family to fulfill our obligation to have no leftovers on the lamb. Right. So we couldn't have a big seder last year. But I said, we are going to have a big Pesach Sheni. I said, this year's seder is going to teach us what Pesach Sheni is about. And, uh, Little did I know that a year later, we still would not be really having the large seders, which we should have. Will it be a, um, will it be a drop larger than last year, or basically the same? Uh, it, might, it might be a little larger than last year, but it, it won't be fundamentally different. I mean, you know, usually a seder should have dozens of people. It should be multiple households joining, right? Exactly as the biblical text says. Uh, but um, so you have a Ellie Beer last year. He he had he had a Pesach Shani because Ellie Beer during Pesach last year he was intubated. He was out. And, and I uh, I remember he actually observed Pesach Shani with a seder in his home in Israel. Yeah, as soon as he got out, as soon as he got out of, um, as soon as he was extubated, I uh, I called him and I said, um, "You're going to have a real Pesach Shani." Right. And and uh, and he and he did. Boy, that must have been a harrowing experience watching your friend go through all of that. Oh, it, it really was. And just um, thank God for uh, Dr. Jill Sandberg, who was Ellie's uh, guardian angel um, in Miami. And thank God for the incredible professionals at the University of Miami Hospital, which treated him so well. And, and now we know from the from the half a million people that have gone through it, we, we know just how common it was to lose one's life in an episode like that. It was a, it was a really miraculous that he was able to recover. Thank God. Oh, you are so right. I mean, we actually now know his chances of survival and were in the single digits. Oh my gosh! We had no idea about this when he was intubated, um, but but now we know because he was actually intubated twice um, within that twenty day period, and uh, 
his odds of survival were around four to five percent. Unbelievable. When he said goodbye to his family, it was not just a, uh, a, a a dramatic episode. It was reality for him and his family. Unbelievable. Thank God he got to say hello to them uh, a few weeks later. Uh, Mark Gerson is with us. As we mentioned, he is the co-founder of United Hatzalah. Yes, that United Hatzalah in Israel. Uh, what a distinction that is. He's also author of the book, The Telling, which just came out today, and we wish him a mazel tov on that, how Judaism's essential book reveals the meaning of life. It's available at Amazon and no doubt in other locations as well. And 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 finally, Mark, based on what you just said before, you're, you're probably – you're probably thrilled in all seriousness when, when 100 or 200 or 300 people gather together for a Seder, especially people who might be single or elderly and don't get an opportunity to spend the Seder with other people. But when whether it's Chabad or any other organization, you know, puts together a, a real community Seder, for you that's not just taking care of people that have you know, nowhere else to go, for you that's the real Pesach experience where, where, where Jews expanded uh, the, the capacity of their Seder in order to feed everybody and to make sure that that carbon Pesach was completed. Absolutely. I mean, the, the Bible tells us that, that the Pesach must be enjoyed by, quote, the whole community of Israel. Right. And so it, it, it's obligatory upon all of us to ensure that all of the rest of us can enjoy a full Pesach, because it is, it is the best night of the Jewish year. It is the greatest holiday ever invented. It is our spring festival, and the whole community of Israel should enjoy it in this great spirit of spring in the new year that it is, and uh, and you're absolutely right. It, it's incumbent upon each Jew to ensure that every other Jew gets to have the full Pesach experience. I love your enthusiasm and your encouragement, frankly, because there are a lot of people, both male and female, listening right now who are in some ways dreading the next three weeks, dreading what Pesach preparations are going to entail in their own personal situation, whether it's, you know, shopping, cleaning, or, you know, a, com- a combination of both. Uh, would, would you say all of that about Erev Pesach as well? Would you say that people should enjoy the process over the next few weeks? Well, it, it, it's what I believe it was Rod Soloveitchik who said that, um, that everything holy needs preparation. So, right. so the, and, and I have a chapter in the book on this where I, I said that when preparation is part of the event, so preparation is part of the Seder. That being said, one should not get lost in the details and lose the picture that there is sacred meaning to the preparation, particularly when, when, when we, the night before, when we cleanse the hamates from our home, that should be a, a moment of divine seriousness. When what, what we're doing is we are saying for the coming week, we are removing all impermanence from our home, and we are going to focus on what do we want permanently in our lives. That's what we're doing when we're removing the hamates from our home. And we, when we do it with, with the brush and the pan and the candle, this should be a great moment for the family to really commit ourselves to focusing on who do we want to be in the coming year, and then how do I get to be that kind of person? And that's really when the Seder experience begins. Can't thank you enough. A real pleasure speaking to you. Mazel tov on the book and uh, continued success. You and Ellie Beer together with United Hatzalah. A real pleasure to speak to you this morning. Thank you so much. Me too. God bless. Mark Gerson is author of The Telling, How Judaism's Essential Book Reveals the Meaning of Life. Available on Amazon, literally out today. And therefore, we wish him a very big mazel tov. And of course, a chag kasher v'sameach. Tuesday morning broadcast at JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. Tuesday morning broadcast with Mordechai Shapiro and the Barcheno. You heard Mona Rosenblum and company with that Manishtana before that as we were talking about the holiday of Pesach. 8.31 in the morning on a Tuesday, 23 degrees, sunshine, and a high temperature of 38. I thank you all for tuning in. By the way, I remind you, if you go to artscroll.com, the brand new Uncle Maishi book the brand-new Uncle Maishi CD, and the brand-new Fagy Murray cookbook, My Pesach Kitchen, are all available. Fagy Murray has a brand-new book, My Pesach Kitchen, stress-free recipes your family will love. That's a brand-new Art Scroll book. Uh, plus, of course, the Uncle Maishi book, plus, of course, the Uncle Maishi CD. Anytime you use artscroll.com, make sure to use promo code radio. Anytime you use artscroll.com, Make sure to use promo code radio. Simple as that. Did I make that clear? <laughs> I hope so. Anytime you use artscroll.com, use promo code radio. Why? First of all, you'll get a uh, nice discount. And then, of course, the other reason is because you'll get free shipping, which is also very, very important. So promo code radio whenever you use uh, artscroll.com. Uh, make sure to check out shopeichlers.com. They've got the brand new link. Uh, on their page of uh, some really amazing items that you're going to want to include for your Pesach Seder. Great cutlery, uh, different types of uh, plates and bowls and serving utensils, etc. All disposable, but all really elegant-looking table settings. Uh, What I would say are upscale table settings for your table. Elegant, durable, disposable, and ready for you at shopbyclothes.com. Go to shopbyclothes.com slash paper-goods. Again, shopbyclothes.com slash paper-good. Same-day delivery from shopbyclothes.com to Borough Park, Flatbush, Williamsburg, Crown Heights, Staten Island, Queens, Five Towns, Far Rockaway, Muncie, Monroe, Teaneck, Lakewood, Toms River, and Jackson, New Jersey. Go to shopbyclothes.com and put in your order for Pesach. More coming up. It's a Tuesday morning broadcast here at JM in the AM as we continue, and this is uh, brand new from Ellie Schwabel at JM in the AM.
Pretty good, huh? Kishoshana done by uh, Aish here at the JM and the AM. Before that, Ellie Schwabel, hole with you here at JM and the AM. Um, Mona Rosenblum, Ruvain Brick. The answer is Mona Rosenblum. I don't know more about it. I think the album is called Kulanu Misubin. He wants to know where the uh, Manishtana was that we just played. I think it was uh, from an album entitled Kulanu Misubin, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but it is Mona Rosenblum here at JM in the AM. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abels and Hyman makes traditional kosher delicacies, pastrami, corned beef, salami, and more. Old world classics, beef fry, kishka, and more. And modern, better for you kosher products, including no nitrate added, reduced fat, and reduced sodium hot dogs, plus many other unique items. Visit the website, kosherdogs.net, and try A&H today. There you go. Um, today's, uh, today's broadcast being dedicated to the memory of Yehoshua ben Shlomo Zalman Halevi, Yehoshua ben Shlomo Zalman Halevi, Mr. Oscar Fried Ferdig. The Shama should have an aliyah. Um, it's that time of year again, tax time. Are you ready? Isn't it about time that you went to a firm that does more than taxes? Rosenbaum Financial Services is that firm. Taxes play an integral role in all of life's circumstances. Rosenbaum is able to identify planning opportunities based on information within your return. To learn more about Rosenbaum Financial Services, taxcpa2.com. taxcpa Uh, Or call 1-800-829-2722, 1-800-829-2722. In addition to everybody who calls or emails, uh, ralph at taxcpa2.com, ralph at taxcpa2.com. They'll send you the no-obligation research on the dirty dozen tax scams to watch out for. So email ralph. Uh, Ralph at TaxCPA2.com for that free information. JM in the AM, Tuesday morning. Ari Hill, Ellie Marcus, Project X at JM in the AM.
Jeder rennt für die Oma. Die Schieß mit der Füße rennt für die Oma. Kann raus mit der Kuhwe rennt für die Oma.
What is it? <laughs> what could I do for you? This is going to sound just utterly ridiculous to you, but I'm moving, you see? And in an old coat in a trunk, I found this shoe repair ticket that must be seven or eight years old. It's for some shoes I brought in before I went into the Navy, and then I moved away from Brooklyn, and now I found this old ticket. And I know it sounds ridiculous that you would have the shoes after seven years, but I took a chance. Oh, I get it. You're that fella from Candid Camera. <laughs> No, 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 sir. Honestly, look, look, here's the ticket. Let me see it. Are you out of your mind? We haven't even used the numbers in years. Not. No, please, sir. No, no, it was a long trip here from Baltimore. I know it's ridiculous, but please, take a look in the back. All right, all right. I'll look. I'll be right back. This is very embarrassing. But after all, they don't make shoes like they used to. <laughs> How can I be foolish enough to think that after seven years, that they would still... Hey, mister from Baltimore, Maryland. <laughs> yes? You're not gonna believe it. <laughs> you mean you found my shoes? Was it with half soles, leather heels, <laughs> and metal tips? <laughs> yes, yes, that's right. It'll be ready Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Can't get over that one every single time. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely love it. <clears throat> well, I got a note from listener Cena. Uh, as alluded to yesterday with a hot tip, Mazel Tov to our stupendous granddaughter, a.k.a. our fourth child, Shane D. Gifter of Staten Island, and her engagement to Schmully Deitch of Jackson, New Jersey. I'm assuming it's New Jersey. It says Jackson. I don't think it's Jackson, Alabama. Uh, so Mazel Tov to Shane D. Gifter and Schmully Deitch. Mazel Tov to Shane D.'s parents, Ryakov and Shoshana Gifter, and all of Shane D.'s siblings. Mazel Tov to Shmuley's parents, Mendy and Hannah Chana Sheva Deitch and to all the extended family on both sides. Mazel Tov to grandparents, Rabbi Benjamin and Sari Gifter of Flatbush. Extra special Mazel Tov to great grandmothers, Bubby Shoshana Gifter of Lakewood and Grandma Roberta Eisenman of Pittsburgh. Shandy, as YZ says, what the just happened. We love you and Shmuley to the moon and back and wish you much Mazel and bracha as you embark on this new and exciting path together with much love from Bubby and Zadie, Florida, who, of course, we know as Listener Cena and Mr. Listener Cena down in the Sunshine State. Mazel tov to the Rosenshines. Dr. Rosenshine always treats me to amazing phone calls, really. Every time he calls, is amazing and incredible news to report. In this case... After 14 boys in a row in his extended family, they have broken the streak with a, a brand new baby girl, a nice little lady. Uh, mazel tov going out to Mr. and Mrs. Gershon Walk, uh, to Rabbi and Mrs. Um, Menachem Walk, uh, to Rabbi and Mrs. Zimmet, and of course to Dr. and Mrs. Rosenshine on their brand new great granddaughter, Mazal tov from all of us here. At JM in the AM. How amazing is that? Our brothers and sisters in Israel, 
We are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio, around the world, web at NahumSiegel.com and the NahumSiegel Network, and of course, the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing Tuesday here at JM in the AM. Plenty more tomorrow. Make sure to be tuned in and plenty more coming up, including Avrami's live lunch starting at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Have a fabulous Tuesday. Till tomorrow, Nahum Siegel reminding you, Remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.